You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. And make sure you follow this podcast on all platforms. Today, I have Larry Bluestein, longtime South Florida reporter, uh, joining me today. Thanks for joining me uh, today on a Wednesday, Blue. Good stuff. Thanks, Marcus. Appreciate it. Always. Uh, so you were at the state championship uh, last week and some great games throughout the weekend. A lot of great players, a lot of Miami commits and targets showing up uh, throughout the weekend. I think every game was kind of a close game, except for Chaminade blowing the doors <laughs> off of, of Clearwater Central Catholic. I think we all kind of expected that one. Uh, but just overall, what were your thoughts of the Miami commits or targets and re who really kind of stood out to you over the weekend among those type of players? Well, you know, obviously Miami is uh, hooked in with a lot of these kids. And I even, you know, seeing a couple of the coaches up there, Coach Mirabal, who came up to watch Derek Plass from Mandarin, who is a commit and a solid commit and, He's one of those guys that's already trying to help Miami bring in players. Yeah. Uh, he and Dalen Russell, who will be teammates, went up against each other a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, How's that matchup? It, it was good. I mean, you know, the whole thing is, is Mirabal, you know, being an offensive guy, and we were standing next together to each other. He goes, Oh, my offensive lineman is getting the better of him. And I don't know. It was pretty close. I think Dalen Russell is probably. Uh, bypassed a lot of people this year and then and, and a lot of people hadn't you know never watched him play or heard much about him before this year and I think the more you saw him and I was fortunate in the last three weeks to see him three different games saw him five times during the year and he always impressed me and uh yeah certainly having him there a uh, couple of future uh the Bryce Fitzgerald kid who's a junior and you know, I was yeah. trying to tell everybody, you got to watch out for this guy because last year he had nine picks at Berlin, one of the top basketball prospects. Now he moved over there this year and had eight more picks and uh, just, uh, you know, dominating type of guy. So he's already my, on Miami's radar, uh, yeah. you know, for the future. Kind of wish Miami uh, got in on Benji Blackburn a little bit earlier. I mean, this kid's a massive 6'6", 250-pound tight end, runs extremely well. Got a 5.3 GPA, too, but he's going to Stanford. I know Miami tried at the end uh, as far as that's concerned. Chaminade, um, you know, what else can you say? Zaquan uh, is a yeah. beast at line, at safety. He's going to come in, and and I think that he's going to compete for playing time right away, rightfully so. He's got the size, got the demeanor, got the got like a sponge of a, a brain who drinks in everything. Um, we also know Jojo Trader, who's at a whole different level. You know, people talk about JJ, uh, Jeremiah, uh, but you know what? Josiah has got to be mentioned right in that conversation because he does some really good things, not only as a receiver, but you know, you, we saw him a couple years ago in the state championship game when he played at central 
played one play on defense against uh, Merritt Island, and he returned the ball at 90 yards right. for a touchdown. Yeah, uh, I definitely remember that. Big-time talented kid, has an opportunity to be, you know, a, a pretty special uh, football talent down here, especially with Miami's woes at wide receiver. And then, you know, Kobe Young leaves, and Miami's still looking for, you know, that uh, wide receiver one type of guy. And, um, listen, he's going to battle from the day he gets in there. It's hard to hard to deny what the kid brings to the table. And, um, yeah, that, uh, from, from the standpoint of – you know, who Miami's getting and uh, who they have an opportunity to get. Uh, you know, there were like there were some really good teams up there, as you mentioned. And, you know, the the Columbus final against uh, Mandarin and St. Yeah. Thomas and uh, and uh, Homestead. Got to give Homestead a lot of props. I'll tell you, they're loaded. I mean, they and he did. Ronnie Thornton took over this year. You got to remember and from Phil Simpson and and. Uh, a lot of people were doubting him because they barely got out, got over Miramar in the playoffs, only by four points. They only beat Southridge by two. But then they came up uh, two weeks ago and beat a really good Jones team. And, you know, they fell behind against St. Thomas. I mean, you know, who doesn't? But they never stopped. Uh, <clears throat> they never stopped coming. And, you know, Isaac Brown, who's, to me, one of the best players in the state, uh, between he and the junior Cortez Mills, who will be uh, who will be the Jeremiah Johnson of uh, Jeremiah of uh, Smith of next year, uh, the kid can do everything. Great receiver, runs tremendous patterns. So uh, you know, and that was it. You know, Shamanad um, came and played a lot of talent. You know, Zach Ruthers who's going to Pitt. Uh, played a pretty good role for him. Uh, yeah, so it was a good time. Watched a lot of uh, players that are already committed to Miami, but there's a couple of targets, you know, that you go up yeah. there and you and you see, you know, whether it be the, the smaller games, you know, like Coco playing against Bradford County. Uh, Bradford still has a couple of kids out there that Miami looked at as well. And then we know Coco uh, is young, uh, yeah. but they have some dudes as well. And um you know, and then you had Hawthorne, uh, you know, playing up against Madison County, always two good smaller schools. Sure. Uh, proximity wise, they drew the most. I don't think there was any like yeah. we were talking to the Bradford County Sheriff who, you know, who uh, escorted the team. And he said this would be a great night uh, to rob somebody back at home, because I'll tell you what, we have uh, everybody <laughs> came I, that they have one of the best attended games. And they're a smaller school right outside of Gainesville, which is couple hours away but um yeah uh you know shamanad didn't you can't expect you know and people were oh wow they didn't draw very well but they're a small school to begin with it's yeah. a not 10 o'clock in the morning on a thursday right I mean, you know how much can you ask of and they you know they brought a lot of their parents came and you know it, it's a chance of a lifetime people don't realize you you know that's why it's staggering to see Shamanad up there for a record-breaking eighth consecutive time also yeah. taking a look at st thomas uh, winning a fifth consecutive state title those are those are marcus those are beyond you know comprehension you know because you have teams yeah you have you know columbus won their second and there was teams like central catholic was up there for two years in a row but 
being up there eight years, eight straight years. I don't care what level you're playing at. That's a whole, that's a whole, and they're six and two in that, in that time. And, uh, Definitely, you look at dynasties and uh, St. Thomas and Chaminade are definitely, without hesitation, uh, Florida dynasties right now. Yeah, I would love to see those two teams kind of match up. I haven't really kind of seen those teams match up over the years. I mean, you, you and I, we've been, you've been at this for, you've been at this forever. I've been at this for a little while, and I haven't seen, I haven't seen those two teams match up ever. And right now, they're clearly uh above the rest at, at this point we all know Central yeah Tampa. well i think it's coming because this is always going to be there but love to see those two teams match up well i think it's coming because now uh um is a member of the bcaa the broward county athletic association and what their function is is to match up teams and make sure that all these teams within their organization have schedules and I think you're going to see, I think one of the stipulations uh, is that uh, Chaminade and St. Thomas and Cardinal Gibbons play each other at least once every other year. So, and, and, and Gibbons has played a pretty tough schedule. They played Chaminade this year. They played American Heritage twice. So uh, I think, you know, St. Thomas is, you know, that's the thing. People don't realize if St. Thomas wasn't a member of the BCAA, uh, who would play them? You know, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't get Boyd Anderson or, you know, Flanagan or some of those other schools that they played. They just yeah. wouldn't get them because who would step up when they don't have to, to play a program. So they would be kind of saddled with playing the IMGs and the St. Francis academies and the modern days and schools like that. And, you know, yeah. maybe their success wouldn't be as, as much as it is now. So, yeah, I think you're going to see that within the probably two years at those two schools and, you know, not to start any craziness, but there's no way that Shaman, that St. Thomas and Columbus shouldn't play every year. They should, they should play a home and home every single year. They don't recruit the same players. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it'd be a natural having a tropical park one year, having at St. Thomas the next year. And I think it yeah. would be a well-attended game, maybe put it on a Saturday night, you know, where, you know, away from the, you know, local college games, if there's Miami's playing at, you know, noon or three o'clock and you never know in advance, but, uh, I think those type of games right there would not only showcase tremendous athletes, but it would showcase our tremendous athletes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, St. Thomas is, is loaded obviously every year and they're loaded with Miami commits as well. So kind of yeah. a little bit about some of their guys that I saw. I mean, you had OJ, uh, OJ Frederick, um, obviously who's an outstanding corner. And then you got, um, Chance Robinson, who actually got injured, seemed like he injured maybe his hamstring early yeah. on the first drive, but he was actually outstanding on that first drive, put them in scoring, yeah. scoring position. So obviously excited to see what Chance does. But Miami does have their target on Jordan Lyle, and Jordan Lyle has just been an outstanding talent over the years. He's a running back that I absolutely love. My, He's right now – committed to Ohio State, uh, just like Jeremiah Smith, right? And Miami is looking to flip uh, Jordan Lyle. Um, so first, uh, I did want to get your opinion on 
on Jordan Lyle and his performance. And then uh, I did want to ask about the matchup with Ryan Mack and Cortez Mills and what you thought of uh, those two number twos going head to head. Yeah. Well, let's, let's look at Jordan first. Um, I think what happened was, is they were trying to key on him and knew that he was the guy that could beat them on the ground and they did a tremendous job and that made his performance all that much better. Uh, you know, cause he's a, you know, you look at, at, at St. Thomas and with the kid Montgomery and, and, um, and, uh, and Jordan and also Stacy Gage, those are three pretty darn good running backs. And I think he has the ability. He doesn't go down on the first hit. Uh, he's got uh, quickness. He's, he, he blocks. So, you know, having him, uh, you know, as part of the Miami class would be, you know, would be tremendous. And, and I think that they, they could use somebody like that. And especially because Miami's potentially in a year from now, we could be talking and uh, they could have one of the best, if not the best running back room in the country with all the, the, the players that they have. But yeah, Jordan's uh, like I said, fast. Uh, he does a lot of great things and um, yeah, he, and a great kid too. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a matchup that I, I just kind of just watched the entire time when I was watching that game was just Cortez Mills and and, and Ryan Mack. Uh, Cortez Mills is an outstanding 2025 wide receiver, are arguably the best receiver in that class. And that class is absolutely loaded with, right. of course, you know, you already have Wade and Charles committed to the 2025 class for Miami. I've uh, got Nashawn Montgomery, got Joshua Moore, just just a bunch of great receivers. But you really got Jamie see, French. <laughs> Jamie French is outstanding, um, and you, you got to see him as well this weekend. And he he made some touchdown catches as well. I mean, it was just that class is just absolutely crazy. Um, but Cortez Mills had a chance to get matched up with Ryan Mack. Uh, what did you see in that matchup? Well, a lot of people didn't know a lot about Cortez. I mean, they knew about him in our area, I think, because of the fact that Homestead doesn't get a lot of publicity, a lot of play, being so far down in, in the county, and they don't really get an opportunity to be on TV a lot. Um, I think people were kind of, you know, surprised that somebody so good was under the radar like that. And and uh, and certainly we've heard of him, and we watched yeah, him. Yeah, like under the radar. I've been, I've been yeah. watching but statewide he was because a lot of people didn't really get a chance to see him, you know, and in, in talking with some of the media outside the area, uh, none of them, a lot of them never heard of Joshua Moore and Joshua Moore from a physical standpoint at 6'3", 195, 200 pounds. He's the biggest of receivers. So, yeah, and in and, and the matchup between he and Mac, I think the thing what Mac is showing more and more is he's becoming – uh, a better cover corner uh, than he's yeah. ever been before. Lip, uh, uh, looser hips, uh, certainly an opportunity for him to to get drop back in coverage and go man to man. And I thought that they battled all day. And the, the times that um, that uh, uh, Cortez did make catches, it was always like a circus type of catch because you know he had trouble a little bit of times breaking out breaking the uh you know the coverage and uh but then you know they they each had they traded punches and they both did extremely well and i think that more people were watching that uh matchup than basically any matchup over the weekend 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was definitely fun to watch. And I, I think uh, Ryan Mack got the better of, of Mills, uh, especially in the first half. But then in that yeah. second half is when Mills started to really kind of come on. He had an outstanding diving catch in the middle of the field, which was which was great. Yeah. And uh, I was impressed with Joshua Townsend, too, the, uh, the quarterback for Homestead, who just recently actually got offered by Miami. I thought that was... Um, you know, interesting just to see that. Um, I did see that post on social media that he yeah. did offered by preferred walk on roster. Right, right. Yeah, yeah but still, but still, yeah, yeah. I, there's a lot of people missing out, and um, you know, Charles uh, Fishbine from Elite Scouting Service and myself had an opportunity to talk about him a lot, and uh, we just felt it, you can't teach what he has, and 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 you know, obviously, a kid like Ennio Yapor, a junior who's one of the, if not one of the most productive quarterbacks that they've had in South Florida over the years, um, uh, two different type of quarterbacks. You all you want to equate them. Uh, the same because they're both shorter and, and a lot of people and that that seems to knock because of the fact that there's a lot of people you know you talk to some of the coaches and and uh, they say well if I bring back th this kid to my quarterback coach or to my offensive coordinator or head coach they'll laugh at me because he's 510 or 511 but right. from a pro from a productivity standpoint Joshua is a beast and, and everybody on that, you know, Ronnie, uh, you know, Thornton head coach, Ronnie Thornton, and then the offensive coordinator and his fellow teammates will all tell you as they go or as he goes, they go. And, you know, last year, if you remember, he was out for a couple of games and they lost to Northwestern. And, you know, there was some, there were some games that they stumbled on same thing this year when he got nicked up a little bit, but, um, no, he's remember they beat Columbus by 14 points earlier in the year. So, and that's no easy task. And that was basically because of him. Um, yeah. I, I mean, and, you know, and, and the whole thing is, is he doesn't get double covered. You know, Mills doesn't get double coverage because they have the young kid, Kevin Cascudo, who a lot of people kind of like overlook, but he's another Kevin. Kevin's like a, uh, a version of Xavier Restrepo. He gets open all the time, made some key catches. So that also helps, you know, that also helped Mills. And the kid Randall, who they brought in from uh, Mainland High School, you know, before the game, before the year, another stud. Uh, so, you know, you look at that and then having, I, I, you know, having a kid like Isaac Brown, who just is just crazy good um yeah. and more really stands out and and that, i mean um uh, townsend really stands out and that's another guy people don't understand w way under the radar people never really they go oh my gosh where's he been well he's been there since the sophomore year it's just that right he, people and this is no knock on rivals or scout or you know or or you know sports illustrator but a lot of times their people gravitate only to the kids who are getting hyped, you know, and not so much the kids who are producing. And, and that's, you know, that's my main thing. Cause I go to a lot of things and I get a chance to see these kids play. And, you know, I mean, and, and sometimes when you have rankings, uh, they're not always based on, you know, the actual 
talent and, and ability of an athlete. They're just on somebody who, who has been hyped, you know, because of size or, you know, because yeah. he's been offered by a lot of schools. But somebody like uh, Joshua Townsend, he's as good as any quarterback, you know, that was there. I mean, any quarterback. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Brady Hart kid was okay from Coco, but uh, he's, yeah. he's still young. He's got a lot of years. Yeah, he's still young, but uh, still, you know, I mean, and, and and obviously the Endorf kid from St. Thomas who, you know, makes plays and uh, they don't ask a lot of him. Uh, right. But uh, but when you have guys and receivers like they have, it's, uh, it's not so hard. And Mendoza, who I just got, uh, who committed to Indiana. A lot of people, yeah. too didn't know a lot about him, you know, yeah. and, and, and I thought that uh, Dave Dunn, the head coach of Columbus had the best game plan out of anybody. And uh, here's a kid like Mendoza who probably ran 12 times all year, carried the ball 17 times because they knew yeah. and respected Mandarin secondary, uh, you know? So um, yeah, it's uh, there's, there's some really good guys that hide under the radar and a lot of the people. And my only suggestion to a lot of these recruiting guys is to open your eyes and see beyond what everybody's trying to hype you with. You know, there's a, which is especially the in the state of Florida. Yeah. Which is the measurables. I, I think uh, a lot of these, you know, recruiting sites are, are just focusing on the measurables and not so much, like you said, the, the production, um, you know, case in point, um, Ruben Bain is obviously, you know, when, when it comes to production, you, there, there's no argument there. There's no conversation really when it comes to production of what he did in high school, leading the entire nation in sacks. But when you look at his measurables, it, it doesn't, I guess, equate to, uh, un, like an automatic, NFL draft pick type of body, I, I guess you could say, right. uh, considering that he is a defensive end. Many consider him a defensive tackle. Rivals actually has enlisted as a defensive tackle. So, so yeah, I, and, and I was banging the table when I was at the uh, All-American game for his fifth star. I was like, this guy deserves a fifth star. But, of course, it's not up to me. Uh, but still... <laughs> Uh, but I, I just, just kept going off about him and he, he had an outstanding camp up, up there in Orlando at the Under Armour All-American camp. He was dominating on almost every rep. He showed out in the actual game. So I don't know what else he could have possibly done. Um, but he, he, he is a, a, you know, a case in point of, of the point that you were talking trying to make, uh, there about, you know, you know, these guys that are just productive, like Joshua Townsend. Joshua Townsend, I was blown away by, I want to say maybe two years ago at a spring game. And it was oh, against Northwestern. Yeah. It, yeah. At, against Northwestern. That, that was the game where I was just like, whoa, this kid is really dynamic. He's dynamic running the football. He makes great decisions and he throws dimes. He threw a dime to Isaac Brown in that, in that state championship game. So I'm um, yeah. excited to see uh, the future of that kid uh, run a little, a little long today. So I just want to uh, make sure that uh, we, we talk about this, this 2024 recruiting class, obviously national signing day is now a week away or, or the national early nationals signing period. 
which is now the new (laughs) signing day because most kids do sign uh, on uh, the early signing in the early signing period. What jumps out to you about Miami's 2024 class? And is there something missing uh, or just, you know, just, uh, I guess, what what position group do you think you'd want to see maybe uh, another player that they get or just what just jumps out to you about this 2024 class that is currently ranked in the top 10? Defensive line. Uh, obviously, they went after yeah. they understand that in order to be an upper echelon team, uh, you have to have more than Reuben Bain. You have to have more than just a one or two kids. You look at Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State, and they lose these kids to the NFL, but then they have that type of talent. If you look when Clemson was in the mix with the kid Wilkins is with the Dolphins and some of those other, they always had three and four and five guys. So I thought their defensive line plus their the ends, and you could thank uh, Jason Taylor for that because he walks into a living room and he's already captivating, uh, you know, parents, uh, you know, maybe yeah. the kids never watched them play, but uh, you get an opportunity to watch, uh, you know, uh, somebody like that. I thought they're, you know, that th- this past class, a 23 class, they, they kind of addressed the linebackers. Plus they got Kiki, Kiko Mauanoa uh, yeah. to come in. So I think that the secondary it's still a work in progress. I, I really think that they're going to go to the portal uh, to get a couple of kids, uh, you know, to play there, but they also need to recruit. And that was one of the things, Marcus, that was a topic of every coach, whether it be Charlie Partridge or any of these other guys that were recruiting, that this um, uh, this NIL and this transfer portal thing is kind of kind of crushed recruiting you know i mean and, and yeah. a lot of you know i mean and that it makes it tough to recruit because you want to bring in a young kid and work with them for potential but then all of a sudden your need is immediate and then you go oh, well i can get that quarterback out of washington state he's got three years under his belt and you kind of throw away the young high school 17 year older and you know i know that guys like Dabo sweeney and you know, oh well we don't use the portal well in this day and age, you have to. I mean, yeah. you really, I mean, as long as everybody else is doing it. So Florida State kind of turned their fortunes around by using sure. the portal in an effective way. And, you know, got Johnny Wilson last year and then, yeah. you know, got a couple of other interior linemen. So, and Miami yeah. did too. And, and and that's important to understand that, uh, you know, Miami utilized that last year. And I think they're going to do it more because you got to, bunch of kids that left to be in the portal and congratulations to Tyler Van Dyke, who's going to Wisconsin, but, um, uh, but you have to fill those kids now that left. Uh, and uh, that's the one thing that Miami's doing now. I still feel there's a need to have two quarterbacks in this class, you know, one of major proportion and another guy who's, you know, there, but I think, Two, Marcus, that Ja'Curry Brown could really establish himself. And I know we're going to talk about the pinstripe bowl, but uh, I think he could, you know, he, uh, you know, uh, along with some of the younger quarterbacks that are coming in or that are there, I think that they could be viable backups, you know, because they're still in the learning process. And I think that, you know, I mean, whoever Miami brings in, and and I think that's a position. They're really stable at running back. They need, I still, they'll still think that, 
Jacoby needs to be pushed. Um, uh, Jacoby George uh, uh, needs to be pushed. So you get another quarterback of that nature. They're stacked with uh, slot kids from Xavier Restrepo and Brashard yeah. Smith and Ray Ray and Washington, Bobby Washington. Um, so I think their main need, and you always could pick up offensive linemen, which they did. They got three young kids coming in that pegged the meter. And, uh, yeah, so I, 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 you know, and I'm, I'm always baffled about the tight end situation. Cause I thought last year, you know, with the kids that they recruited, plus Arroyo coming back that they could have one of the, the top receiving, uh, tight ends, you know, in, in college football. And, and I kind of think that if you look back at the Louisville game, uh, that's what Miami needs. They targeted those two kids uh, 16 times in the game. And that kind of surprised me. Um, special teams are fine. I think that, uh, you know, with, with the kid Johnson, Chris Johnson coming in and, and will play a very big role next year as a kick returner, along with Brashard Smith, that makes two guys that can take it the distance at any time. So and Daniel Joseph yeah. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you you try to. I think what they're going to incorporate is is Ray Ray into the rotation a lot more because yeah. you need that speed. And you know, you, I don't think Miami had total speed this year, but they will next year because a lot of those guys will step in and and uh, make a difference. So yeah, that's. I just think you go for depth at certain positions. You lose a guy like Matt Lee, uh, Matt Lee, and you lose Javion Cohen. And so you have, you need to have guys who are going to step into their positions. And, and sure. I think you're going to see a couple of portal kids uh, too. So through the month of January, I think you're going to see this roster even, even change even more, which is good, which is positive. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to the offensive line, I'm excited for Samson Okanlola, excited for Tommy Kinsler, um, sure. Antonio Tripp. You know, we haven't seen him because of injury. Frankie Tinelau, we haven't seen him because, because of injury. I think they're pretty stacked on the offensive line. Like you said, I think they just really focused on the defensive line for this cycle. And this this defensive line haul, you could argue, is the best oh, yeah. in the entire history of the school. I kind of did some research uh, since 2002. So, I mean, since rivals were, which was started tracking this and yeah, well, when you look back at sheer numbers and, and just uh, the, the amount of star power that you have bringing in, it, it's, it's, it's second to none right now, if they're able to hold all eight guys. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think defense back is, is, is probably the one concern uh, and you need maybe a big play receiver at this point uh, to, Couple with maybe Isaiah Horton now that Kobe Young has um, entered the transfer portal. So interesting, interested to see what they will do uh, going forward in this uh, transfer portal. Uh, but yeah, Jakari Brown is 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 an interesting aspect of this pinstripe bowl. Yeah, I will play Rutgers in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium. Are you a Yankee fan by any chance, or or no? no I'm a Met fan, actually. You're a Met fan, okay, okay. I actually like the Mets too. Back in the day, we probably talked about this before. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I I love the. I grew up watching the era of you know Dwight Gooden, uh, Daryl Strawberry, uh, Gary Carter, Howard Johnson. Yeah, yeah. There you go. They the '86 team. Yeah, David Cohn. Uh, 
Hugo Franco. Like, wow, those, look those, at you. Yeah, those are the guys that I that I used to watch, and the Yankees were terrible in those days. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I was actually a big Met fan as well. But excited to see these two coaches kind of go against each other. You got Shiano uh, and Cristobal, who obviously know each other very well. Cristobal talked about uh, Shiano being a mentor to him and one of the yeah. best mentors. It really kind of sprung his career. But this game is really all about Jakari Brown and and what he can do in this game. Is it going yeah. to be maybe a showcase for him for another team? Or is he really going to make his case to stay with the team? What intrigues you most about this Prince Jack Bowl? Well, as you mentioned, I think Jacuri stays. I think he's really comfortable here, and he understands that to be a starting quarterback at the Power Five level, you gotta, you have to have more experience. You have to have games under your belt, and I think that this is kind of the game that's going to show how much he's progressed. and And obviously, he hadn't did hadn't didn't play. But I think that the preparation and his ability and, and Mario Cristobal likes the guy a lot. You know, he talks very highly of him as a person and as a, somebody who's willing to be a work a worker and obviously going up against a Rutgers team where you're going to expect, I mean, you already mentioned they're playing in a historical stadium, whether it be baseball or football, but it's something different uh, gives them an opportunity to, to go up there. And you remember this Miami's got a lot of fans in the Northeast that showed at the Boston college game this year, where that was, they were loaded with, with, with people. So, and, and Rutgers is an hour away from New York. So, uh, you know, so it should be well attended. Um, it's going to be one of those games that uh, obviously, uh, you know, is a good showcase game for, for Miami is for future recruiting. Uh, because they're going to get an opportunity to have a lot of kids who are from Jersey and, you know, New York and Connecticut and some of those areas within a couple of hours of uh, the city come out and then maybe go to attend a pra practice or two or go to the game. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's beneficial. It's a whole lot better than them going to the Sun Bowl or the Military Bowl. I just think that the fact is from a proximity standpoint, uh, Miami, this is where, if you remember back in the, in the eighties, this is where Miami uh, recruited extremely well. Vinny Testaverde and, and, and you look at Daniel Stubbs and, and players yeah. like that. So, yeah, I think it's a beneficial bowl. It's uh, looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really good game. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an opportunity for Jakari Brown to really kind of show what he can do. I'm really excited to see him throw the football well. We already all, all know about his running ability, as you can see on some of these highlights here. Uh, but kind of want to see him take that next step in throwing the football. And, and you know, we, we will see if Dawson has really helped to develop him over the year. Yeah. Uh, they talked about pre preserving his red shirt. Obviously, he's going to kick continue to preserve that even if he plays in this game so excited to really see what he does because if they strike out on the quarterbacks that they're trying to get then they're going to be stuck with the guys that they got you know um so uh th this is going to be intriguing and Rutgers is no slouch um of a team uh it's going to be a tough game uh they're going to have a lot of fans um uh, you know, uh, in the building. So it will be very interesting to watch and really kind of see how they play out, play 
um, especially with the transfers transferring mm-hmm. out from Miami. So there's, there's going to be opportunities for a lot of other guys to really kind of step in and, um, and really show what they can do. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for the Stort Tracker podcast. Larry Bluestone joining me today. Uh, thanks again for, for joining me on this podcast. Hope to see you again soon. Thanks, Marcus. Anytime. All right. Like I said, that's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker Podcast. Make sure you follow this podcast on all platforms and also subscribe to the website, canescounty.com, for free. Use the promo code Miami30. Until the next episode.